What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrikes 10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. Okay, it is now time for part two of five. We're counting down the top 50 albums of 1972. According to who? According to me. It's my opinion. It's my list. It's my show. Let's get back into it. This might be a bit of a shocker for you out there. And honestly, man, number 40 is not low. Maybe I'm trying to save a little face here, but out of all the records I listened to, I listened to hundreds of records from 1972. So making it into the top 50, you are a next level record. And you should probably be owned by most music fans. But yeah, this is a very heralded album. Although me, for someone who didn't grow up on it, like... It's got the, it shouldn't have been a double album kind of thing going on for it. Because this is a double album. And man, if this thing had been edited at least down to about, I'd say about half the running time, honestly. With the best songs, you know, the songs that I like the most. (laughs) Yeah, it'd be a perfect album. We could say that about a lot of albums. But yeah, this one right here, Something Anything by Todd Rundgren. Came out in February of 1972. Self-produced. And why not? Todd's one of the great producers of all time. So yeah, makes sense. But maybe he could have used a co-producer. Someone to be like a swing vote on material. I don't know. But it's got enough great stuff on here that it definitely belongs in the conversation of you know this time period for sure. And for those of you who may not know what I'm talking about at all, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe if I say the name Todd Rundgren, it doesn't resonate with some of you. But He's got some good material out there. And, you know, even if you just get like a basic best of Todd Rundgren, you're going to have a pretty decent time. It's got some good stuff on there. And he's got great pop sensibility. The guy can play. He's a, he's definitely a true talent. He was very influential with his earlier band, The Naz. I shouldn't have to sell most of you on this guy. But anyway, for the purposes of having a strong opener on here, and I kind of went between this one and I think the last song on the album, Slut, which Big Star would cover later on very well. I think, I think they actually do a better job of it. So I'm going to go with this one right here. It's an obvious track, so I'm kind of riding that wave of, hey, let's not be too snobby. Let's play some obvious stuff to make it a cool retrospective, and let's also play stuff that people may not know. This is one everybody pretty much knows. So kicking off the show right here to represent something, anything, it's the kickoff track, I Saw the Light.
kicking off the show here today and coming in at number 40 on the top 50 albums of 1972. That was the great Todd Rundgren from the Something Anything record. That was I Saw the Light, the big hit off of that record. But yeah, it's a killer song and I needed to include it. I think I probably had my first moment with that song through the movie Kingpin. If anybody else out there has a similar experience, let me know. That one especially goes out to my brother Steve out in Haltom City. My former co-worker Steve. Miss you, buddy. We'll hang out soon. Coming in at number 39, one of the greatest of all time. A true icon. A guy that's so next level, there's a biopic on him. It's really good, by the way. A lot of people haven't seen it, but you should. There's a movie called Get On Up, you should see. With Chadwick Boseman playing the title role of the godfather of soul, James Brown. Let's see. I have to go into the notes for this one. So at this point, James had been working pro for about a decade at this point. And guess how many studio albums he's up to by this point? Oh, only his 34th album. I mean, I had to check that. I had to double check that, count it up, and be like, is that really 34 albums like since the late 50s? That's ridiculous. So yeah, about 12, 13 years James Brown is pro. So do the math on that. 34 albums in 12 years. You're almost averaging three studio albums a year. That's crazy. And the fact that he's still maintaining decent quality here in 1972 is something to be heralded for sure because, man. (laughs) So right before he puts out the Black Caesar record in 1973, which is a great record, he puts out two here in 72, his 33rd record called There It Is, and this one right here, Get On The Good Foot. Now, Honestly, these are probably pretty equal as far as song for song as I did the point system. But I think the overall enjoyment here is on Get on the Good Foot. It's a little more fun. It's got some punchier numbers to it. Whereas the other one's a little more of a sad record. So this one's definitely more of a party jam. It was definitely a pivot, let's just say, or a foot shuffle as James would do. Uh, But yeah, any album that has Get on the Good Foot, of course, the title track, and this one right here definitely deserves to be in a Hall of Fame. So let's play this one right here. One of the great funk numbers of all time. Don't believe me. You can ask Prince or George Clinton or somebody, and they'll be happy to tell you. But yes, to represent this album, you got to turn this one up. This one's Cold Sweat. Oh, <laughs> 
All right, Cold Sweat right there by the late James Brown. Get on the good foot is the record. It's an intimidating catalog. I mean, all the way, <laughs> even by the time you get to the early 70s, it's an intimidating catalog. I don't even know how many studio albums a guy has, but man, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one to get into. But Get on the Good Foot, pretty good record. Not his best, as I would say very easily, not in the top three records he's ever done, but not in the bottom three either. So, yeah. I, you know, we make excuses for our musical heroes sometimes, and I really despise the way that people still insist on Michael Jackson when it's kind of like, come on, man, seriously. But I guess I do the same thing for James Brown, in a sense, so I'm not a perfect human being. Uh, there's complicated stuff there, as, as, as even the movie put in there, which, you know, a lot of people don't put their embarrassing stuff in movies, but at least they were decently honest in the James Brown movie. So that's another reason that makes it good. Kind of like in the same way that Ray did. But speaking of artists with complicated histories, <laughs> I, you know, back here, like during the holidays last year, during Thanksgiving, I think, is when the whole Get Back thing started on Disney. The Get Back documentary that Peter Jackson did. Great stuff. Of course, I watched every stitch of it. I'm even going to buy the physical when it comes out because I'm a nerd. But, yeah, a lot of people, especially younger people, and that's fine, were like, "Uh, who's this guy that just showed up here? Billy Preston. This guy that kind of saved the session, if you will, at least the vibe that he gave off. And the bands even said they were on their best behavior because they had a guest, and that's how they kind of got through a lot of the get-back sessions. But, yes, this guy, Billy Preston, uh, definitely riding a high here at this point in 1972, of course, with the association of being known as the fifth Beatle, and even played on Rolling Stones records, one of the few people to do both things a handful of times. So he's got this record out in 72 called Music Is My Life. It came out on October 8th of that year, self-produced. And, you know, just to be like, hey, I did play at the Beatles. He does cover Blackbird on this record. But it's an enjoyable record. Even down to, you know, some of the religious stuff he insists on is whatever. It was pretty, you know... Tackling religion at that point wasn't the divisive thing that it is now, for for good reason. But yeah, back then it was like, okay, yeah, yeah, just it almost went hand in hand with the hippie culture in a way, in a sense. But at least that's how I view it. But I gotta say, this, even though this isn't a perfect album, it's got one of the perfect songs, especially of this era right here. And I, I'm a sucker for a good hook. And this is one of those songs that stays in my head. So if you are susceptible to earworms, then I apologize, but not really. So get ready for it to represent music in my life. This is Billy Preston with Will It Go Round in Circles. I've got a song, I ain't got no melody. I'm gonna sing it to my friends. I've got a song, I ain't got no melody. I'm gonna sing it to my friends. Will it go round in circles? Fly high like a bird up in the sky When it go round in circles When it fly high like a bird up in the sky high. I've got a story, ain't got no moral Let the bad guy win every once in a while When it go round in circles 
Coming in at number 38 right there, Billy Preston, of course, with the great classic single, Will It Go Round in Circles, from the album Music Is My Life. Yeah, good record. Don't Google them. <laughs> at least uh, not to a point. You can do, do it musically. You'll, you'll be all right within the confines of that. Anyway, okay. Moving on here from all that stuff to a band that doesn't seem to have any kind of black cloud hanging over it, at least from a legal standpoint, is this upstanding band right here, The Dramatics. Good to see some Stax record stuff represented on here. I believe via Stax Vault Records. Yeah, so this album came out right on the... It's it's almost a 1971 record, but it's basically right at the beginning of 1972. There's different release date info for this, but as far as I could tell, all the singles seem to be released in 72, so I'm going with that. 
So a bit of an asterisk there, but man, woo, what a record right here. What you see is what you get by the dramatics. Produced by Tony Hester as executive producer. And yeah, the, not a lot to complain about this. I think there's just a little bit of filler on here, but it's, to use a generic term, when it's good, it's great. And any album that has both In the Rain and this song back-to-back, I mean, it's next-level stuff. Right in the middle of the album with this one-two punch. And it was already going pretty good, but this definitely takes it to the next level. Hard to find a better track four and five in the history of recorded music than right here. And it kicks off with this one right here, the title track from the album. This is the dramatics with What You See Is What You Get.
Coming in at number 37. 37! Oof. Yeah, that was the dramatics with what you see is what you get and the title track from it as well. Sticking with the Solonar beat. It's on quite a bit of this countdown. So deal. Some of you don't have to worry about dealing with it so much. You're already there with it. But coming in at number 36 right here. And I guess it's another shared entry, although I definitely have a favorite of the two albums by this band put out in 1972. I played The Undisputed Truth on the last episode, and we have another Motown act coming in here. So it's just, we got stacks of Motown and all these labels battling it out for supremacy. We'll see who wins by the end of the countdown. Right here, The Temptations, one of the great bands of all time. So they put out solid rock earlier in the year, and then by July, they've already put out an album called All Directions. Now... Solid Rock is what it says it is. It's pretty damn solid. But All Directions, definitely my favorite of the two. It's something else. Of course, the main event of the album is definitely Papa Was a Rolling Stone. All 11 and a half minutes of it, by the way. If you've ever heard just the radio edit your whole life, you should definitely check out the 11 and a half minute version. But that all aside, man, just some killer stuff. Some very biting social commentary on it as well. So it's a little bit of everything. And this one right here just immediately set me off into like, wow, we're in for some good shit right here. This opening track is killer. So I'm going to play it for you right here. It's The Temptations with Funky Music, Show Enough Turns Me On.
That song should be known well more in households. That's just super fun. Funky music, show enough, turns me on. That's some killer stuff right there. Temptations, go check out most of their catalog. It's obviously very worthy of your time. Okay, coming in at number 35 right here. Here's a band I don't really know a whole lot about. I mean, I know a handful of things, and everybody knows their monster, monster hit. To this moment, it's being played right now as I'm talking, even just in my town. And then, of course, that means it's in like thousands of other towns right now. All right now is definitely being played on the radio. I'm talking about the band Free. They were up to their fifth studio album here in 1972 and recorded in like massive disarray for the band. They had broken up and they already gotten back together. They put out this record somehow within a year still after the previous one. And they bought some time with the live album, but it's, it's the fact that they got it together so quickly and put out a really stellar record. Like I said, I have no nostalgia for free, but it's one of those things where, yeah, I mean, like, a lot of bands sound like this at the time, but, and I'll probably say this a handful of times on the rest of this countdown, like, in a sense, almost anybody with practice, and you know, they can kind of play this type of music, but if you have an ace in the hole lead singer, like a Paul Rogers, then it really can take your band to that next level. I mean, obviously, every element of the band is important, but having that great singer, man, will get a lot of ears on your band, rightfully so, because Paul Rogers is one of the great singers of all time, and you'll hear it throughout this album here. Free at Last is the name of the record, by the way. That's pretty funny for a post-breakup name, but anyway, okay. But yeah, it's definitely an album that like no one knows any songs off of this. I sure as hell didn't know any songs off of this, but I wound up enjoying the record quite a bit. Here's my current favorite song off of this record. It's called Sail On. Sail on, my brother, sail on through the night. Sail on, my sister, sail on. Say 
What a gem right there from 1972. The Free at Last record by Free. That was the great sail on. That song should be in something, like a cool movie, like right before the credits happen or something like that. So that's the kind of job I need is to put songs in movies and shit. Anyway, that all being said, moving on here to number 34. Here's another gem right here and a band that I I knew a decent amount of. Never really dived headfirst into the catalog, but this album definitely got me wanting to do that sooner than later. So the second album by this band right here, we're we're going all the way over to the Welsh side of things via Cardiff. Chris Riley, do you live near Cardiff? Or do you live in Cardiff? I'm trying to remember. I know somebody that's messaged me at some point that's from there. Anyway, this band right here, Budgie, longtime Metallica fans will know that name because they covered Crash Course and Brain Surgery on Garage Days Re-Revisited. But yes, this band Budgie, power trio from the 70s, and part of that, you know, that new proto-metal conversation that a lot of people have been having over the last decade. And, man, I tracked this stuff down, and I was like, man, this stuff is raw. Like, it was recorded on a budget for sure, but these three guys got a lot of sound and a lot of beefy noises with this, like, minimal budget and stuff. But the songs are pretty much there. It's, it's a fairly enjoyable record. If you definitely lean on the hard rock metal side of things, you will recognize this as a pretty damn cool record. So yeah, I was just like, by the time the second song came in here, I was like, okay, this is going to be totally fine. So see if you can hear what I hear right here with track two off of this album that's called Squawk. (laughs) Yeah, Squawk. It was uh, was released on September 1st, 1972, by the way, produced by a guy named Roger Bain. Uh, He was the Vertigo in-house producer, by the way. He did a lot of stuff for Priest and Sabbath and stuff like that. So there you go, fun fact. But yes, back to the record here, Squawk by Budgie. This song right here is pretty killer, so check it out. This one's called Rocking Man. Across the 
Budgie right there with Rocking Man. I have to say that carefully because it, it almost you have to start saying Rocket Man, but yeah, no, Rocking Man, not to be confused with the song from the same year. But yeah, you know, every time I hear that song now, like with bass drum, just like boom, 
boom, and that riff goes down, 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 down. I always think that there's gonna be a voiceover guy like, if you want the maximum truck, you know, <laughs> like just one of those kind of big truck commercials where you see a truck driving on the terrain or out by the Grand Canyon. It's that kind of a riff, but yeah, of course, once the vocals kick in, it's not that song anymore. But every time I've I've heard that record over these last few months and I listen to that song specifically, I'm like, yeah, that's a fucking truck ad, but it makes me giggle. But there you go. Still a killer song. And yeah, it's it's very tough, as the kids say nowadays. I actually heard that. I really hit that observational comedian thing in my head the other day because I heard these kids talking about going to this show. And I won't say the name of the artist, but like, oh man, that's tough. And it was anything but, trust me. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Moving back over to the funk and soul side of things with one of the great bands of all time. And I mean that. No other band can say that they had a number one like in, I think it's like five or six consecutive decades, something like that. Number one single in every decade that they were active. But yes, the Isley Brothers, one of the important bands of all time, they put out this record on May 2nd, 1972, called Brother, Brother, Brother. (laughs) It's Hulk Hogan's favorite album. Okay, no, all kidding aside. So the thing that I've always admired about the Isley Brothers, yes, they're a great band. They can play all that stuff. They got the songs and they write really good songs as well. They've written some of the great songs of all time, but there's that thing of the man, when they cover somebody's stuff, they truly, truly make it their own. And I think more often than not, they make it better. I've even said somewhat recently out loud that because the Beatles did such a next level version of their song, Twist and Shout, and that's the better version, the Beatles version. Like ever since then, I almost feel like they had this goal to cover songs and make them better in the same way that the Beatles got them. They got everybody else that they covered. They covered two Carol King songs on here. I don't know if these are covers or not, but I see Carol King's name as a writer on two songs on this record, but they also covered Jackie DeShannon's Put a Little Love in Your Heart. They do a killer version of that. If you've ever heard the version of Summer Breeze, that's a next level cover. I mean, just good stuff. But here's an original by him. My favorite song on this record here, Brother, Brother, Brother. And this song right here is called Pop That Thing.
I have no idea what they're talking about in that song. But anyway, that was the Isley Brothers with Pop That Thang from Brother, 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 Brother. Okay. We got a few more to go here. Coming in at number 32. Moving on to something completely different right here. Now, here's another one. I, I think this may be the only non-R&B soul entry that had multiple releases in 1972. This guy, super prolific songwriter in his day. And I miss this guy. He left us last year. Very sad. One of my all-time favorites, Michael Nesmith, of course, famously known as one of the Monkees. Honestly, he was like an early, early pioneer in what would basically become country rock, like Americana-type music. He really was one of the early trailblazers on it. If he didn't invent the damn thing, he definitely helped popularize it, even while he was in the Monkees. If you go back and check out his original songs, they're pretty much all like that. And he put out Tantamount to Trees in Volume 1 early in 1972, if not right on the cusp of it. But then halfway through this year, he put out this record. And the hits just keep on coming, is the name of the album. And I like that one better out of the two. So this one's not really much of a shared entry, even though they're only about eight points separate them on the point system. But from an overall enjoyment standpoint, I think this is definitely the stronger album of the two that he put out within this calendar year. So recommend Michael Nesmith's and the hits just keep on coming. And it's an ironic title, I found out, because apparently he was getting a lot of label pressure to write more hits. So not only did he write, you know, some songs that definitely had some potential crossover, but he also included the song that he wrote that was made famous years before this by Linda Ronstadt, a song called Different Drum. It's the song that broke her. So, you know, it's like, hey, I wrote the song. I can fucking use it on my record. I'm sure that was the case. So, yeah, it's on here. I'm not going to play you that one. I'm going to play you a, a nice deep nugget, at least as far as I'm concerned, a nice deep nugget from the record. Because, I mean, really, anything but Different Drum is going to be a deep track because... You know, none of these songs got played on the radio that I know of at the time, and I never hear about them so much. But this is this is uh, one of Mike's best solo albums. So, like I said, I tried to have any bias when it comes to doing these countdown shows. Obviously, some bias will creep in here, but I'm glad Michael made the countdown here. He deserves it. Here's my favorite song from the record, at least as of today. This one's called Harmony Constant. <laughs> Concept of loving as ultimate 
light the power of peace and truth and the harmony constant in all of these things is the thought of the future with you That's about as straight up of a traditional country song that you'll probably ever hear on Rock Strikes 10. Nothing against that kind of stuff, but it's, it's not anything that I approach, you know, almost by definition. But obviously rock has its roots in country and R&B equally in a sense. But yeah, that was Michael Nesmith with Harmony Constant from And The Hits, Just Keep On Coming, the number 32 album of 1972. Before we finish off the show, of course, we need to do Number 31, and this one, uh, kind of a surprise for me. I expected to like this album decently on the surface, but and I have heard songs from this album before, but I was not prepared to like it as much. I almost kind of went into it with a critical ear. Just because, you know, once again, I didn't want to show favoritism. I want to try to be neutral about these things. But uh, have you heard of this band? They're called Elf. Hardcore fans of the lead singer here will know what I'm talking about, but I'll give you a quick little, little brief history here. So this album, Elf, comes out in 1972. It's this band's first album, and the credited lead singer on this album, his name is Ronald Padavona. Now, not a household name, but the name he would take on later would become way more famous and way more iconic is a fellow by the name of Ronnie James Dio. Yes, this is Dio's first real professional-like record that a decent amount of people got a chance to hear. Obviously, he had some recordings prior to this. You've heard the doo-wop stuff if you've dived deep on Dio. He's got that stuff out there, too, from the 60s and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, this Elf record, it, it did surprise me. It's, it's By the way, it's self-titled record. It's just called Elf. came out on August of 1972. Something I didn't know in advance uh, produced by Ian Pace and Roger Glover from Deep Purple. Uh, that's something right there. So that 
leads into the whole family tree of Deep Purple and Dio and all this other stuff. And I didn't know this is where it began. Pretty cool, actually. But, you know, I've heard a handful of these songs on some Dio retrospectives over the years. And it's one of those things, like, when you buy a Dio comp, like, you kind of want to, you know, hear heavy metal. Like, at least that's how I've always felt about it. And, you know, cool epic ballads and that kind of stuff and shit about dragons. But, like, you know, you hear these songs and you're just kind of like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. You know, I'm kind of glad it's on here. You know, a little history of the guy. And you you don't really take it seriously. But, like, overall, the material on this album totally works as a top-to-bottom record. It's definitely of the times. But pretty much every song on here is good. Like, you know, there was only a few dull moments on it, but overall it's it's a rock album that I recommend. So yeah, check out the debut self-titled album by Elf. And maybe just to get you further enticed to do that, here's a song off of it, the third track on the album. This one's called Never More. Can't remember how I got from here to there isn't any Simple, I can't recall anymore. Would be misleading. Me Hell and fire burning high. Oh, now I can see the ever. Clock is me 
Listen off the show here today. That was Elf featuring uh, this singer named Ronald Padanova. I hope he has a future. No, of course. The great Ronnie James Dio with Elf. And apparently a handful of these guys would wind up in Rainbow with him later on uh, due to the connection with Blackmore. You know, I'm sure everybody in Deep Purple got a copy of this record when it came out. You know, I mean, that's how it starts, right? So, but yes, that was never more in its two words. So that's why I say it that way. Not in the Edgar Allan Poe sense. But yes, that's a cool record, Elf. You should definitely check it out. Any rock fans or hard rock fans definitely need to check it out. It's an important record in rock history on top of it. So on principle, check it out. But also, the quality is there. Good enough for number 31 here on my top 50. I appreciate you tuning in to this show and any of the other shows I do here on RockStrikes10CNJRadio.com or otherwise. So to nail that point home before the next part here, which will just be out in a few days, stay tuned for now. My better half, Nola, with the plugs, followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10, and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have Rock Strikes 10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. And the I Am Vinyl podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on Sirius XM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun.
post-game show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it.